everyone, and welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm impatient, so I could only make a 10 count, but I'm here with Dylan Shore, who could probably make a 15 count easy. Dylan, we're going to talk about a movie today. Oh, <laughs> my hat is like a shark's fin. What is your hat like? I don't wear hats. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Before we talk about Deep Blue Sea, let's talk about some other films. Have you been watching anything recently? Do you want to discuss yes. them? I did some rewatches. Nice. What do you got? I uh, did, uh, and I just realized looking at the list, they all start with B, and there's five movies. <laughs> Damn, what a theme. Let's. Well, okay, three of them, three of them are the Bourne trilogy. So, <laughs> okay. you can those. But, uh, uh, and then the fourth one is Bourne Reborn or whatever that movie was called. I still haven't seen that. The Bourne Legacy with Renner. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Don't you really know, care. The problem with that movie is, is that it's called, that it has a Bourne Legacy to deal with. If it was just a spy movie, it'd be awesome. <laughs> was born legacy too much wordplay for you to handle dylan just a literal spit take folks i almost spit my water up that was an incredible play on words there I, it's not mine it's literally in the title of the movie it is um the first one is a lot of fun i like it a lot it's super cheesy in moments sure. the second one like could have been good if the camera wasn't so shaky and handheld and choppy editing. There's a lot of that in it. And then my roommate was like, yeah, but I feel like that was like one of, this movie's like the pioneer of that style. And I was like, um, yeah, I think you could be right. Like the modern day 2000s choppy act, quick cut action. Well, it's no 400 blows, but it, it's certainly the zenith of a type of, of <laughs> jump cut for sure. Mm -hmm. I remember defending, I, I don't know if it was that one specifically, and it was a long time ago, but the point I was making was like, being in a fight is chaotic and you often don't know exactly where you are, even if you're good at what you're doing. And if you're not good at what you're doing, it's just a mess of like, oh, my eyes are closed. My eyes are open. There's a force coming at me. I have to, def you know, it just is, it's nutso to actually try and piece together the memory of a fight. So the jump cuts and the crossing the axis and the wild shakes, I felt were really evocative to me. But it was a moment where I realized that my life was different from some other people because we were at, um, well, I won't name them, but you might have remembered them from a certain film school that we both attended. Oh. I was like, because you guys have been in a fight, right? And they were like, no, I've never been in a fight. I don't know what that experience is like. And I was like, oh, okay. Kind of like that, I guess. Well, I mean, I get handheld and doing the shakiness but like there's just too much of it and there's like certain shots where they like aren't quite in frame like they're they'll be down here in the corner and there's just all this open room over here and I don't know the second one's just jarring to me the in its editing and its filmmaking but ultimatum is awesome and I think is the best one Ultimatum is really good. Which one, how many of them have Julia Stiles? All of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, she's in all of them. The first one, not so much. Second one, way more. Third one, uh, about half of the second one. Like uh, half of what she was in in the second one. In the second one, she's sort of like in on the action, right? And like driving some cars and... She's with him in the car, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen those movies. I, I, I tend to enjoy them. Yeah, they're fun. Um, and I rewatched Black Hawk Down. <laughs> Speak, okay. Yep. Um, talk about like a hyperkinetic, stylized movie that is like shaky and a lot's going on. But there's uh, like, it's too long, but there's a lot to like about that movie, I think. Um, but it's too long. It's ridiculously long. 
it's another one that I haven't seen in years and years and years, but I'd like to revisit because I remember really liking it and seeing it a couple of times, you know, but again, it's been a, a solid decade legitimately. I'm not like trying to take away from it because what it is, is still a, an enjoyable movie to watch, but like there's so many of the cliched typical characters and like the first whatever of the movie is just with them on like in a, a, a hangar and just like relaxing with them and there's so many actors in it but it's just like oh my god like we don't really need any of this just tell us this story of this Black Hawk Down like I get it you're trying to tell us all before but a lot of these characters are not real people they do take some real people but a lot of them are fictionalized for the movie is that a Tony or a Ridley Ridley okay yeah I my high level criticism of Ridley Scott is that he often misunderstands his own movies and the things that make them great are in those movies, but he's usually focused on something else. And maybe this is an example of that. I, like I said, I yeah, you could watch it and see, uh, and see if your opinion lines up with mine. Yeah, fair enough. I'll give it another go. What else you got? Uh, the last one is the Wachowski's first film, Bound. Okay. I've not seen that one. Uh, enjoyable. Super enjoyable. Especially if you love uh, Jennifer Tilly and uh, Gina Carano. Gershon? Gershon. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From, uh, God, I, stupid. Uh, uh, yeah, Gershon. Um, it's so good. And Joe Pantoliano's in it, too. I mean, I, I don't know much from Gershon, but I am a big time Tilly fan and I love a good pair of pants, buddy. Then you will probably like Bound because uh, do you know the story of it? No, and don't tell me because I, I will watch it like in the very immediate future. I have a copy here and I'm, I'm going through some stuff. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pop it on and we'll, we'll discuss. Do it. All <laughs> right, that's my last one. Okay, well, I'll uh, jump off on a, a war movie since you were discussing Black Hawk Down. Uh, I watched 12 Strong, which is uh, Hemsworth and- Yeah, 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 the, they're on the horses. That's right, yeah, they, they're on the horses. And Michael Shannon is also in this movie you know file it under dad flick it's just war propaganda but it's really pretty fucking good i you know chris hemsworth is a great actor and michael shannon is also a great actor but the he has this like basically a bit in this movie where he's the old dude he's the dude who's like a day away from retirement and instead of him dying tragically he just like breaks his back day one on a horse and they have to carry him around for the rest of the movie but he lives through it it's, man, it's michael shannon it's so good because he hates everything that's happening <laughs> oh that's great yeah it, you know the action sequences are like a little too punchy in a way that i don't know sorry I, i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because it is really good at conveying sort of the chaos of like, who are we shooting at right now? What the fuck is going on? But then every single person that they are shooting at is wearing like black robes and every person that they're not shooting at is wearing like beige robes, you know? So it's doing that stuff. So ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of so ridiculous, I don't know. Don't tell many people this but i watched walk the line i love that movie i was i had such a meh i was like okay i love yeah. that movie i think they both give great performances and the music's fucking dope and absolutely, uh, absolutely. uh and how long is it does it push two and a half it's like 220 220 okay yeah that might be the one little flaw that it might linger in some areas too much. That is the extended Although there is edition. a director's cut. Maybe That's you watch the I watched the extended edition, which was two, 218, I believe, is what it actually comes in at. 
And it, for me, it's definitely too long. The real problem they had is I, I just couldn't like get into the emotional underpinning of it. And you know what? I just heard, um, I was listening to Chris Gethard on the Blank Check podcast talk about, God, whatever movie. Oh, they were talking about As Good As It Gets, actually, in, in the wake of our episode. They liked it a lot more than I did. They're on your side with that movie, for the record. But he was describing what he wanted to call a genre of movie, which is the like, yeah, but I like you genre. So it's the rom-com where like the guy likes the girl and the girl's like, nah, but I'm cool. Thanks anyway. And he's just like, well, 90 minutes later, I like you. So acquiesce to my desires, please. And thank you. And there's, you know, that's what this movie is. It's like literally a decades of him just being like, marry me and her being like, no, fuck off. And then finally being like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't mean to besmirch their story at all. It's super fucking cute. And their music is incredible. I'm a big fan of both of those human beings and the actors, like you mentioned, the performances are legitimately great. I was... I'm a fan of Reese Witherspoon, but not like, uh, anyways, she's fantastic in this. She's really good in that. She's so, so good. And Joaquin is always good. Yeah. (laughs) What else do you want to say about that? Yeah. I can't, like, I can't watch Walk the Line now without thinking of Walk Hard. Okay, so I haven't watched Walk Hard yet, but I'm watching it tomorrow morning. It's the first time. Have you ever seen it? Literally never, no. I know. Oh my God, Kyle, you are in for such a treat because it spoofs Walk the Line so perfectly. My understanding is that it, it hits Walk the Line so perfectly that it, it invalidates, you know, music biopics and whatever. I'm not going <laughs> to defrag the genre right now. I haven't, you know, whatever. So I Walk the Line is like perfectly entertaining and James Mangold is i was just talking about him with my roommate because we were talking about angelina jolie and uh how she doesn't have like a lot of great movies there's a lot of like kind of crappy action in there like she has some good ones like girl interrupted which is james mangold that's how he got on it and then like right after that uh she does a few more but then it's like Gone in 60 Seconds, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider 2. You just named two five-star movies. <laughs> Which ones? Gone in 60 Seconds. And I don't actually really like Mr. and Mrs. Smith that much, but it's perfectly entertaining. Enjoyable. Yeah, it's yeah. entertaining. But I love Gone in 60 Seconds, the original and the remake. I totally am a fan of both I do too. I hate saying that I like both of them, but I do like both of them a lot. Love them. Okay, sorry. (laughs) What else are we talking about? Let's move the fuck on. Oh, buddy, also a first-time watch for me. These are all first-time watches. (laughs) Watch Fright Night. Which one? Original? Yeah, the OG. The (laughs) the one. The The remake isn't bad. All right, well, I'll put that on the tomorrow afternoon then. That'll be the Yeah, story. yeah. Colin Farrell does a, a really fun job. And it's Anton Yelchin. Rest in peace, bro. Yeah. Fucking, he's amazing. Fair and it's enough. fun. Christopher Mintz Plotz is in it too. I, great cast. Yeah. Um, this thing is so much just like fun. Just exuberant, you know, dialed up to 11 kind of filmmaking. <laughs> I just was like, yeah, okay, let's... I'm on board. I enjoyed Friday Night quite a bit. Yeah, it's only, been since I've seen it. The only thing I like of substance I have to say, and it won't be a, a new thing to say, is that the the best friend, the like, the Beavis. I don't know what his character's name is, or even the actor's name, but just the like, he's such a type, man. He's so intense and carries it to whatever. I had a real fun time watching that one yeah it's a great 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 makeup great special effects stuff going on it's fun and cheesy looking kind of now probably but i remember digging on it you know a woman's mouth 
it's awesome. Yo, yeah. No, the when when it goes full on in the third act, I really like the makeup effects. And it does something, it's right maybe just in the pocket or before that place of where practical effects have been sort of perfected. <laughs> for that 2K 35 mil look where, you know, these makeup artists are so, so talented and it really, you know, it, it, two thumbs up. So yeah. it's got that stuff going on for it, for sure. But one of the things that adds to it is that it's reverence for like the 30s and 40s universal monster movies in terms of being like real stayed in the filmmaking, mm -hmm. but just entirely keyed up in the performances is so much fun and so revelatory. Is that the word I'm looking for? Expert filmmaking anyway. Dug it. Right on. Okay, and then the bad news is that I watched Dirty Grandpa. Ooh. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I've never seen it. Don't, though. I, I mean, I'm not a big Zac Efron guy, and later De Niro doing those types of movies just doesn't do it for me. It doesn't for me either. I kind of keep wanting it to happen, but um, uh, Efron Defender famously. Jason Manzukis is in it? That's, that's my... where the movie sings. And, like the joke is that he's a, a flagrant drug dealer that the cops just refuse to arrest because he's supplying them with drugs or like so he's like in a jail cell and like hey remember that time I gave you crack can you let me out or but it's funny because of Jason Manzoukas you know yeah I like I want to skim just to his scenes that's what I would do he's in a fair amount of it to the movie's yeah, credit really? Yeah, yeah. I think okay. and any movie that knows that Jason Manzoukas is gold is you know, I'm half there for it. It yeah. is really rough watching De Niro do anything in this movie. The, from the character intro to the conclusion to every damn it's uh, unenjoyable. <laughs> but Jason Manzoukas is in it, so that's something. Yeah, I remember listening to one of the how did this get made when dirty grandpa was in theaters and he goes well i'm in one of the rev uh, worst reviewed movies of the year uh it's playing right now guys you should totally go see it <laughs> i mean that's killer for the how did that get made audience because i listened to that show and i watched this movie and yeah, he, I, whatever. I'm a fan of his to just to not be a mean person about it. I like legitimately a fan of all of the guys on that show and his work in general. Like I, I was trying to track down the league earlier and you know, on this side of the pond, nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Really? Yeah. No, it just it doesn't even exist on the internet over here. <laughs> you know, I also get know. results for football. Um, anyways, <laughs> It's, uh, I'm a fan of his. That movie is garbage, but he's told, like always worth watching and he's in a fair amount of the movie. Cool. Million Dollar Arm. Have you seen this one? Nope. John Hamm? Mm-mm. I, uh, I know what it is. It's the baseball one, but I have not seen it. It is. Aside from um, Alan Arkin, buddy, there's what, what's the guy's name from the uh, uh, Daily Show who's in Rob Cordry? No, no, no. Sorry. It is Rob Riggle? Asif Manvi. Oh. Asif Manvi is in a fair amount of this movie. And I'm generally on board for that also. And John Hamm, as we all know, funny, funny man. So there are some times where John Hamm and Asif Manvi are just talking shit to each other. It was funny. Well, you know, it's worth watching, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there, <laughs> to set the tone for this movie, like I mentioned, Alan Arkin is in this movie. And he's great in it, but I am not in any way exaggerating or making a joke when I say that he is literally sleeping through 90% of it. 
I know that's a fun way to describe performances, but that's not what I'm doing. The character that Alan Arkin plays sleeps through almost the entire movie. <laughs> okay, okay. And he like wakes up at the sound of the perfect pitch. <laughs> and so there's a point where we'll get to this with the deep blue sea here just in a moment so dumb. where it's so dumb it's so bad but i'm convinced that every single person that's starring in the movie knows just how dumb and bad it is and is giving me exactly that so at 9 a.m on a tuesday for a random movie to put on while I'm doing emails and collating bullshit whatevers. Million dollar arm, baby. All right. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about the deepest, bluest hat like a shark's fin? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to not actually read the entirety of the lyrics of that song but I encourage anyone to do so because they're wild. At one point, he reminds us that the ocean is haunted. <laughs> Just need to put that out there. And to be clear, I'm a fan of this movie. Yes, I, I am too. <laughs> it's uh, wild. Like this Whoever wrote this script, Duncan Kennedy and Donna Powers, where the fuck, like, I, I don't know. Who are these people? Duncan Kennedy. Uh, Take a look I, and see what you come up with, because I want to circle to the director real quick. At, at Rennie one point, fucking Harlan. Goddamn Rennie Harlan. At one point, I, okay, at a few different points, I made some notes that are critical to my understanding of this movies and movies in general. So I loved this thing and wrote down something like, uh, you know, Roland Emmerich and um, Rennie Harlan and Jan Dubon. I think these guys are some of my favorite directors and they definitely are. But what's really going on is Not really. I love disaster movies. They're just the best kind of movie for me. <laughs> so this thing, going back to the weird notes that I'm trying to pull together, I wrote a few different times like, oh, this is Jaws, but in the ocean? <laughs> Wait, it's yeah. not though. It's the Poseidon Adventure plus Sharks. Poseidon Adventure is so much better than this. I don't know if that's true. Are you the original one? The remake has Kurt Russell. The original has Gene Hackman. In either case, this movie is near perfect. There's some major, major, major problems. <laughs> like huge problems. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I surprised myself with that statement. Um, yeah. Um, well, uh, there is a TV show that John Favreau used to have called Dinner for Five, and he had Michael Rappaport on there one okay. time, and somehow Rennie Harlan got brought up, and he goes, "Fuck that guy." I hope that why are they still letting that guy fucking do jobs, man? That guy's a fucking piece of shit. Whoa. Yeah. So probably not a fun time shooting Deep Blue Sea with Rennie. Okay, but let's talk a little Rappaport real quick because there's a lot going on there. First of all, apparently he tries to fight NBA players in his spare time. I don't know how much truth there is to that statement. I don't know. But he goes on ESPN and talks shit about what, whatever 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 i'm gonna move past that thing he might be an actual crazy person and i think there's a real interesting discussion to be had there about how famous he's been for how long and what his sort of image is but within this movie and understanding his image it is either bonkers insane 
that he's the like math whiz guy Mm -hmm. or this movie is genius i think he does pretty well actually i think he does as well as you would expect michael rapaport to do in any movie and i i am generally a fan of michael rapaport i think we were talking about him on um uh, atypical right Uh uh-huh beyond that i whatever we can run through a rapaport filmography real quick if you want to get into it i'd be curious to do it i'm higher learning is immediate in my mind and is oh what oh jesus he's not in gone in 60 seconds but some other he's like the brother or the on the street guy um he's in what's it fucking called oh wow uh jesus sorry my internet is not doing what i want it to do we just talked about the romance that's the one. Yep. And then he was in The Sixth Day, the one that you watched that you weren't supposed <laughs> to watch. <laughs> Join our Patreon for coverage of The Sixth Day, released in the year 2000. <laughs> um, let's see. What else is he in? Hitch? His filmography is incredible. And his, he's in Copland. He's in Deep Blue Sea and The Sixth Lucky Day. Numbers. And Doolittle 2. Oh, next Friday. Hitch. Yep. All I, right. Metro. That's true with Eddie Murphy. Weird. Yeah, whatever. I generally like Rappaport. It's just, it, it speaks to either. Do you know what camp is? Because I sure as fuck don't. I want to enjoy it, but like, I don't think I understand what it is. My belief here is that these people all came together to sincerely make a movie and it turned out this way. (laughs) That's why I love it. Yeah, same. Uh, And the, so the first writer I looked up has done really nothing. Uh, The second writer on there wrote um, Valentine, that 2001 horror movie with like the Valentine's Day killer and like Denise Richards is in it and tons of tons of like 90s blonde actresses are, are in it. Was that movie in 3D by any chance? No, no, no. You're thinking of My Bloody Valentine, which is no. a remake of You're thinking of Death Cab for Cutie, which is an alternative no, no, no. 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 But then she also wrote The Italian Job. Oh, okay. The a remake, presumably. Yes kind of like that movie yeah uh okay some serious questions here that opening scene are those random sharks no the uh, are they <laughs> i have some serious yeah, what, what was that opening scene there was just people out in the open ocean and then a shark attacks and then we cut to saffron burrows Right, we don't. That's not a shark that escaped from the lab or something. Or is that the shark that Thomas Jane is riding like a sandworm from Dune? Oh, how? How did it? Oh, wait. They do mention something about the gate being open, but I thought they had all the sharks still because they can't get out of the big. Okay, okay. we're seriously dissecting this movie for no reason. But rather than tracking the shark. Rather than track the minutia of this plot, I want to make the point that it, so I, here's my note. My main question 25 minutes into this thing is what is anybody doing and why? Yeah. Uh, so I, my second note is Alzheimer's and sharks. Is that a real thing? So there's a (laughs) good, good fucking question. That scene where they like, they've they've definitely made their point by 50 minutes in but because it's so convoluted and weird 50 minutes in what's her name saffron burrows burrows what a quintessentially british name Um, (laughs) she makes the point that like she says the stakes out loud that we're trying to cure alzheimer's and we have to escape from the sharks 
which we've injected with human brain cells that live for 6.560 seconds. This movie is full of that jargon. I, maybe we can get into it if you want to. I wrote down some quotes, but there's several points where like, there's one very clear point where they're just like saying a bunch of numbers and then the uh, blonde scientist goes, that's within normal range. Just like, thank you for the update because this is meaningless. And there's uh, so many points where this movie is just meaningless. Uh, I think a lot of it, probably 85% is meaningless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, literally like every third note i have is me trying to suss out the main plot of it so like okay the premise is to give human brain cells to sharks for some reasons i have cure alzheimer's question mark and that's all well before we get to those points that i just made sorry go ahead uh no i was just gonna say and i'm gonna take a quote from paul f tompkins okay who did this movie on how did this get made and the funniest part of it is when uh he's quoting her he says in the beginning she goes every time uh she tells her dad he has alzheimer's it hit him like a car wreck and paul f Tompkins just goes then stop telling him hey don't do that (laughs) that's cruel It's not, I mean, let's get real for a second, folks. Seriously, if somebody's waking up and is like, oh man, I'm at the best dance party, dance, bro. What are you going to do? Dad, you have Alzheimer's. Let me be a perpetual bummer to the person that raised me forever. Okay, since we're doing quote stuff, and let's not be a downer about the state of geriatric care in the world, I I gotta read through some of these. Here's one from Thomas Jane up front. I'm just a, I'm just a fish keeper, lady, but bringing in that shark ahead of schedule is a bad idea. We're gonna get back to Thomas Jane. Okay, speaking of blonde scientist, who I'm sure has a name as a character and a human being. Beneath this glassy surface, a world of gliding monsters. Pretty scary stuff, huh? Ugh. Oof. <laughs> okay, now we're getting into the real nitty gritty of this. Rappaport at one point reminds us, now what we have here is your basic maintenance lab. It goes all the way to the surface. That's probably true of most maintenance labs. Probably. How could it not be? Uh, Jane, Jane, Thomas Jane asks Rappaport, the math genius. God damn it. I can't even keep it. This movie is a blast. What is the precise structural failure limit for Aquatica? Because the station's called Aquatica and it has a precise, a precise structural failure limit. It's totally a thing, Dylan. Why are you laughing? Oh, this movie, man. Oh my goodness. Okay, uh, wait, I'm not done. I'm only halfway there. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, keep going. I hope you have Samuel Jackson's uh, avalanche monologue in there. I didn't include it because that's sort of where the movie, you know, it makes its case where it's just like, no, fuck all of you. This is the dumb shit movie. We're not doing heroic stuff. Go mutant sharks. I love it so much. So I I won't subject everybody to Samuel L. Jackson's entire speech as I wouldn't subject them to the entirety of the shark fin hat song. But speaking of Cool James, I like to think of him as Sir Cool James rather than uh, LL Cool J. Ladies love Cool J. That's right. And I also love Cool James. James Todd Smith. James Todd Smith. That's his real name. He rocks the bells, bro. What can I say? Yeah. Um, Okay, but his whole, like, he's preacher, right? (laughs) We're gonna get to the bird, are we? Anyways, he's his whole like, I'm going to say biblical stuff is the only payoff in the movie. And he's but a cook. 
it's so weird. And like, why, what are we doing here, folks? So here's a run of preacher quotes. I'm not Daniel when he faced the lion, Lord. So I appreciate the irony. Cook dies in his own oven, but I've got other plans. Yeah, oh, he's climbing up. After the shark turned on the oven, five stars. Oh my goodness. I love, I love that the shark can push Stellan Skarsgård, side note, why is Stellan Skarsgård in this movie, can push Stellan Skarsgård on a gurney through the water and break that thick glass, but can't break the glass until like the fifth try on the oven. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Since we brought up Skarsgård, that's another thing that adds a whole extra star is Stellan Skarsgård as a curmudgeonly scientist that is unceremoniously no he he gets one of the worst deaths in the whole movie he gets his arm bitten off by the shark then during the rescue he turns into like shark bait for the helicopter fishing line it's and he's alive underwater because he's got an oxygen tank on it so he's just watching this whole thing (laughs) it's so brutal people complained about the jurassic park or jurassic world or whatever stellan skarsgård justice man oh my god that's so funny and then his first shot of the movie he's pissing into the wind (laughs) yeah because he's smart he's very smart uh and Samuel Jackson's death is pretty fucking cool. I wish it wasn't a CGI shark. What? Do you wish it was a real shark that had eaten Samuel L. Jackson? No. No, but I wish it was more like a prop that came up and like got him versus just like this weird little CGI image that grows bigger in the background. And then they cut away to a wide shot of it slamming him on the ground. I mean, I might be enjoying this movie on the wrong level, but the terrible CGI is part of it for me. Okay. <laughs> I Because... It's still enjoyable. I'm just saying, they could have went out and got some, like... I guess... I don't know. They have, they have prop sharks. Like, why not fucking use them? Well, I, so... Oh, man, what was I watching the other day? A guy stepped out in front of a van. I, I think it was a TV show. Um, and it, it just was like the most convincing hit I've seen in a long time. To the point where I was like, straight up, how did they do that? I know how computers work and whatever, but I was just like, damn, that's really fucking good. And so we live in a world now where it can be really fucking good, but this is 99, right? So yeah. it looks generally as bad or worse than a video game cutscene, and i i kind of think that makes the movie better i'll give it a little more credit it looks a little better than a video game cutscene. i don't know that it does okay okay maybe i'm wrong i like some of it 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 looks engaging and punchy and good like those i think it's the second shark is like really clearly tiger striped and kind of orange and black and it's ripping through the water and there's a lot of water uh, near fatalities. Anyways, um, it, it never looks very convincing to me, but it looks really satisfying. And it, in a sort of, I don't want to compare this thing to Sharknado because that's not what I'm trying to do here. No, but yeah. it, there's something about the camp that I can't resolve because I don't know enough to discuss it legitimately. I think it was cutting edge technology from 1999. I think like legitimately cutting edge, which is maybe why it doesn't look as bad as a video game cutscene. It looks better than that, but it still doesn't look very good because it's 1999. Sorry, folks. That's just how it is. True, true. And that's the kind of magic of this thing is that it's really hyper, not hyper real, it's surreal. And it's pitched in such an insane way that it, it, it can't help itself but be a blast, even though I think 
I, I don't know. I, this is a weird transition, but how do you feel about Thomas Jane? Oh, I mean, I enjoy him, but I, he's a, he's a interesting dude, man. Uh, I don't, I'm sure I told you the story. I might've told it on here. I was working a premiere for some dark documentary. He was the narrator of, and he showed up so early to the theater. What? So early, so like how, ridiculously how early? early. Like two hours, uh, one hour. No, 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 no. The premiere was at seven. The red carpet wasn't even rolled out for it. They were. Uh, it was solidly noon. Shut the fuck up. It was a bright day. Okay, I, he wanted to like see the theater where it was gonna be, but, uh my manager my manager had to kick him out because he doesn't wear shoes <laughs> what yeah he doesn't wear shoes and you can clear like in any scene in any movie where he is not his feet are not in shot he's not wearing shoes <laughs> yes uh but anyways so my manager has to kick him out because our GM tells him to. And seven hours early and not wearing <laughs> shoes. And now he's just standing outside of the theater talking to some random woman about like weird philosophies of the universe and just crazy shit. Thomas Jane. But I love him. <laughs> I don't. He's <laughs> sort of explains a lot for me because the note that I have here is Thomas Jane feels like a guy they kept trying to make happen. And the story that you're telling me is just like, oh, God, yeah. Hollywood yeah. loves that bullshit. This fucking guy, whatever. I'm sure he's a strange and maybe nice gentleman. Yeah, he seemed nice, but he's definitely a strange guy. Like, I don't know if I'd want to like work with him or be friends with him. I would want to take mushrooms with him. There you go. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm into that, but yeah. I can't imagine another reason to spend time with Thomas Jane. Yep. Uh, okay. This ending. Speaking of Thomas Jane, sorry, I just <laughs> his role in this movie seems to be fish whisperer. Yeah, it's like Bill Paxton can talk to tornadoes, man. He's a human barometer. Uh, 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 what's it? Thomas Jane is uh, a fish whisperer. When they're doing the medical procedure, he's literally just in the pool petting the shark the whole time. <laughs> Which speaks to his personality traits. I mean, if based on what you just told me, if I were to learn next that Thomas Jane went method for this and spent his time in the ocean trying to pet sharks, I'd be like, well, yeah, that tracks. That would make perfect sense. Um, <laughs> uh, so the original ending, Saffron Burroughs lives and they screened it for a test audience and they didn't like it because they thought she was kind of a terrible person because she was behind all these experiments. And so uh, they went back and reshot it and killed her. <laughs> Fair. Which I think is awesome. I think that's great. You're killing off your lead person. But to keep Thomas Jane and LL Cool J alive. Well, yeah. And LL Cool J, who, by the way, like, dies so lazily that you're like is that that's his death scene oh no of course it's not yeah it ain't dead i i understand wanting to kill off that character and it, it, to give the movie credit where it's due the architecture of what's delivered thomas jane is the main character of this movie and it's reasonable that ll cool sorry mr cool james makes it through because he's really you think thomas jane is the lead he's in the first like yeah yeah absolutely he is but saffron burroughs has so much more screen time uh, and I, she's first build interesting I, interesting i wonder what that movie was but the movie starts and ends with thomas jane you know like 
his character is the very first scene is the kids on the bigger boat doing jaws in the ocean uh-huh. and then the next scene is thomas jane swimming uh-huh. with the sharks no the next scene is saffron burrows and talking about alzheimer's in the office and like there's like five ten minutes of them in the office and then they get on a helicopter and then they fly to the island and then they see uh, Thomas Jane swimming. You're right with Sam Jack, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. No, you're totally right. That's that's yeah, because originally she was supposed to live. She was supposed to live. The there's a, a still from the deleted ending of her kissing Thomas Jane. But she would need a redemption arc then, right? She's got that's a but she arc. doesn't have one. That's why they killed her off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> fair. Yeah, I like I like the ending where she's like responsible for this and figures out the error of her ways and you know, oh we can't do this. Come to mama. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the quotes page. <laughs> hang on, I'm trying to jump right to the yeah, and that's what it is. She may be the smartest animal in the world, but she's still just an animal. Come to mama. <laughs> there is one review that I'm very surprised uh, about. Roger Ebert gave this three out of four stars and praised it as a skillful thriller, <laughs> saying that Deep Blue Sea is essentially one well-done action sequence after another. It doesn't linger on the special effects. Some of the sharks look like cartoons, but it knows how to use timing, suspense, quick movement, and especially surprise. He concluded that the film keeps spectators guessing an otherwise predictable genre. <laughs> you want to see like a little that seems like a too well thought out review of Deep Blue Sea. I don't know. I mean, I I largely agree with him. I do. I think it's uh, so my general take on this movie is that it's a really good mashup of two genres. It's a monster movie and a disaster movie smashed together. That's great. We're just like constantly raising the stakes mm-hmm. and largely the action sequences work. I am charmed by the CGI, but not affected by it. Watching it in 1999, I might have been more impressed. I'm sure I would. I loved it. I thought it was so cool in 99. I think it's so cool in 2021. <laughs> so, Dude, this movie's 22 years old. <laughs> Here's my long pitch for the future of this show is that we make it a 30-year anniversary show. So we start back in 1991 and just like go through the anyways um i got my hot take for the episode is that roger ebert is a very good critic that's incredibly bound to his time and so uh my my loving wife got me the four star reviews of roger ebert the collected four stars it's a big you know thousand page book or whatever and there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there for sure, but particularly in the 60s and 70s, you're just like, oh, this dude is a creepy misogynist, you know, just like uh, really, really, really leery, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we get it. She's a beautiful woman. Okay, a paragraph later. And then part of it's also the trap of film criticism, a lot of plot summary the dude spends a lot of his words on plot summary. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I don't need that. I'm good. Yeah. So I saw but, the movie. I'm reading your review. Well, and that's also, also the retrospect. His job is to tell people if they should watch this movie or not because he writes a weekly column in a major uh, newspaper, right? And syndicated uh, beyond that newspaper. So like the plot summary is responsible in his purview. Anyways, read other critics is all I'm saying. So we go for another quote. You are, okay, here's here's the exchange is, uh, Mr. Cool James, you weren't the sunny kid in class, were you? And Mr. Jane, I never went to class. 
Okay, speaking of, I is it Jane that says this? We ought to get two and a half sticks of dynamite out of these flares. As he's like cracking flares apart and pouring them into a metal tube to blow yeah. up another part of the, okay, no. I guess. You don't have to say that. You know what I mean? There's no reason for that dialogue to even be there. You could just be like, oh, guess what? Explosion. I'm available, Hollywood. Uh, I'm, I want to know how much this made. Hold on. Okay, tell me how much it made, and I'll tell you that, all right, Lord, this is for Scoggins. <laughs> which is Michael Rappaport's character's name. Mm -hmm. Scoggins. Uh, budget. Guess guess the budget. Oh, wow. Okay, 90. Uh, budget. Boy, I'd be shocked if they went over 35, probably closer to 25. 60 to 82 million. Shut your fucking face. 60 to 82 million and the box office it made 165 million oh good for them yeah at least they made their money back but yeah it was a pricey movie their head is like a shark's fin they knew what they were doing <laughs> damn really 60 to, i mean like we've been talking about the cgi i'm sure it was 60 and then that rest of it was probably for marketing and stuff like that Okay, so like actual production is probably, again, 30 to 35, 40, maybe, and then marketing is 20, 25, maybe 30. Yeah, something like that. The, I, oh, man. It, it's got to be the CGI, right? Or yeah. Rennie Harlan? The, the rental of, they shot in the Fox Baja, uh, Baja lot where they filmed Titanic, like that special big water tank. Uh, so I'm sure that's a lot of money to rent and then having to go back and do reshoots for that ending uh, might have cost a lot yeah but it's like I mean it's a standing set it's, it's just there it's not like people are fucking using it every day well, no 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 it's just a water tank so you have to fill it up and you have to rebuild the set on top of that water tank yeah fair enough yeah fair enough but still like Maybe it's retrospect talking, and they were trying to pop Thomas Jane at this point, but LL Cool J has to be the mo oh Sam Jack maybe is the most Jack expensive Jack. member of the cast. But like the cast can't cost more than there's no way it's more than ten, probably closer to five for the entire cast straight up. What did Saffron Burroughs have at this time? Let me There's see. No way Saffron Burroughs is pulling more than a million on a check. Uh, she had Wing Commander before that. She had Matchmaker, One Night Stand, Nevada. That's what I'm Aurora. saying. She's a lot of like kind of backups and a lot of things. And so is sort of a lot of this cast. Yeah, I'm going to see Thomas Jane real quick. I mean, Thomas yeah, Thomas Jane had, like, years later. Let's see, Boogie Nights, Face Off, um, The Thin Red Line. Um, All character roles. Yeah. Just a lot of random side character stuff. This was kind of his first, like, second leading role. This is, and, you know, America said, no, thank you. <laughs> He's got a lot, though. He's got a he's got a big list of movies. The whole cast stays working. They're all a lot of like fairly competent actors, good actors. There's no, you know, nobody here is sucking. And I, you know, I, I, I go to thinking that LL Cool J might be the person who understands this movie most in terms huh. of walking around with a sass talking parrot and writing nonsensical lyrics for the ending rap. Yeah, I bet LL Cool J got paid a good amount because of the music. This is uh, what I'm saying. I, I, I straight up think that he's the highest paid role in the movie. He might have been, yeah, because he's in a lot of the movie. And like Samuel Jackson is as well, but he also dies kind of halfway through. I don't know.
Yeah, but you still bill off Sam Jack, and I bet he was pretty highly billed. I didn't take a look at it, but I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't the like and or he was starring. No, no, no. Hold on. I'm um, going back. Since we're going through credits, I want to talk about Thomas Jane and how much better this movie would have been if it had starred Paul Walker. Oh, yeah. I think there's some other people you could have slotted into that role, but and it would have been early for Paul Walker for sure. I think uh, Fast. He, and I mean, no, just, he would have had um, Varsity Blues by then. Meet the Deedles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I need right. to give him right. that one. No, for okay, sure. I guess he is third build. Same okay. Jack. I got a couple other things I just want to talk about. Um, I I don't know. Speaking of the dumbness of this movie, no. Where should I go first? I'll go to the dumbness of this movie. It's a, a real nitpicky thing, but it made me fucking crazy. Is that nobody seems to understand how the word copy is used in a radio transmission, where they're like every time they end a transmission, they end it as a question. <laughs> Did you copy that? Mm -hmm. Which is fine. Do you copy? Okay. But like, they just say copy. Like, hey, Dylan, I'm giving you some information. Copy. Copy. There, that's how you use it. Just that. Hey, Dylan, I'm giving you some information over. Copy. Anyways, we're much smarter than the people who put human brains in shark brains. Years of PA work, man. <laughs> Okay. It's like Jaws, but it's the Poseidon adventure. The blonde scientist whose name I refuse to learn, I'm sorry. Her death is really something else, man. It, it is. This shark grabs her by the whole crotch and shakes her around like after she's already died once. It's almost as cruel as Sarsgaard. She might have the worst death in the movie. Yeah. What is with these movies treating like like kind of nice characters with terrible deaths? Like Twister has it too. They kill off Eddie with that massive fucking steel pull through the face. And Jonas, the asshole, just dies screaming. Well, at least he dies screaming. But you're right. The, I mean, he got to witness the fear. But you're right, man. To just like... Uh, through the eyeball, fucking brutal. Brutal. I mean, I guess <laughs> I don't know why I'm defending it right now. It's a total reversal of my opinion, but like, at least he got it quick. He didn't have to like... It's true. That, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, well, whosever decision that was, it was probably like, well, let's make Eddie like die quick so that he doesn't have to suffer that extreme fear of falling and exploding to death. But uh, still, makes no sense. <laughs> you know what? God bless them all. Uh, Harlan, Jan DeBont, Roland Emmerich. Anyone who makes a decision like that, it, it's a movie I'm going to watch. True. All right. I don't have a ton more. What do you got? I, that's it. I'm done. Uh, I got two for you then real quick. Do um, it just since I'm harping on the dialogue in this movie, at one point somebody says well, she'd always uh, draw draw to, what did she draw an inside pair when she could have just, draw to an inside straight when she could have just stuck with the pair? <laughs> I don't fucking know. I'm not even going to finish this one, but I remember just sitting there in the moment, because I'm not a great poker player, but uh, brag brag, I one time beat a dude in poker who was sitting in the final table of the world series of poker big brag 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 y'all but i've never i'm not a poker player i consider that just like pure fucking luck that i happen to be there and that's what happened that day but I don't think that's how like I, the the thing that they said about the way the progression of cards worked I was just like what the fuck are they saying and that's every moment with this movie where I was just like what the 
you don't have to say that. Why are you drawing attention to this? Over on filmography, we've been doing um, the filmography of Hoyte von Hoytema as a cinematographer. Mm -hmm. He's done a few Christopher Nolan movies. And I've gotten to this point where I'm like, Chris, you don't, the fact that you're asking the question is the problem here. I don't need to know the answer. Your insistence that there is an answer makes me question it. And when I question it, I realize there is no answer. Stop asking the question. You don't have to do that. And there's so much of this movie that's just like 30 BPM. We have to get 60 feet. It's just like, no, just climb. The water's coming, bro. Go. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, honestly. I wonder if like who's ever writing those numbers just especially for deep blue sea just goes i don't know i don't fucking know 30 bpm no, that's <laughs> or 125 that's the reason i bring up the poker thing is because like no that's not how that works yeah None of this is how any of this works why are you pointing at it stop stop asking the question i'm not asking the question you uh, are but when you ask the question and ask me to answer it i go well this is nonsense so crazy. Which leads me back to the point that LL Cool J, Mr. Cool James, is the creative genius in this project. And he understands that he has a sass talking parrot on his shoulder. And that's the beginning and end of this movie. Yep. That's it. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs>